Good morning, church. How are we? Every time um, someone goes, oh, Liv's speaking today, there's a little part of me that goes, am I? <laughs> that part's so stressful. And I'm like, oh, I did prepare, it's fine. Um, so I did, guys, it's all right. Um, I just want to pray over us this morning before I start. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can come here today and that we are a big family. We can all be with each other and read your word together and understand our worth together today. Please be with me. Help me not be too nervous. Um, please let you flow through me. Um, thank you, Lord. Amen. So, I'm studying to be a hopefully author. Um, so, of course, I have a bit of a cliche <laughs> starting, but it's about storytelling and why storytelling is important. So, um, I'm doing a children's literature course at the moment, and I actually love it so much. I have to be there at 8 in the morning, and because I live on the coast and it's up at Callaghan campus in Newcastle, it is very difficult to get there in the morning. Um, my lovely brother and sister-in-law will get up really early, like at 5.30 with me, and they'll take me to the train station just so I can get to this children's literature course. Um, but I love it, and the one thing I've learned through it is the power of story, um, especially kids, right? So I've kind of learned that when you're growing up, you're looking for stories to see yourself inside of it. Um, and there's kind of like the normal story. So the kid is the hero and it's usually a he. Um, and he's, you know, doing all this stuff. It's very linear and then we get to the end of the story and everything's all right. But, um, I mean, life isn't always like that. And so I'm kind of learning that um, it's really important for kids to see themselves in stories, which I'm so glad that we're doing the who you say I am series, because um, we're looking at who we all are, but through the eyes of women in the Bible. So I read this article about the character I'm going to go in today, and um, it was really catchy. The title was Heroine or Harlot? <laughs> like she could only be one of those two things, right? Um, and I think that's kind of how we go into reading the Bible. Characters are all good, or characters are all bad. Um, and I want today for us not to go into it like that, because I don't know if you think about yourself, but sometimes I do awesome things, sometimes I do not so great things, and that's what it means to be human. So we're looking at the complexity of being a human and the worth of being a human. Um, in the Bible, and I would argue still today, that words equal our worth. I was doing um, a Bible study with some kids this week, and um, I've never met these four boys before, they're in year five. And I like to, when I start Bible studies, like say, hey, go around, like introduce yourself, who are you? Who do you describe yourself to be? The first boy who I talked to said, I'm the naughtiest boy in my class. I was like, okay, what? That's like the first thing that he said, right? Like he didn't like really, I knew his name because we'd introduced 
it, but he didn't say anything else, like who he was related to, anything like that. Just that he was the naughtiest boy in his class. And I mean, I thought it was funny, but I also thought it was a bit sad. Um, and it brings me to the first point of that the way someone describes you or the story that maybe you create about yourself dictates who you think you are. Words have worth because when someone speaks something over you, you hold that really close. Um, my dad took the meeting up there this morning to kind of do the project run through for today. And he was saying that kind of like positive words we don't really dwell on, but the negative, they stand out and it's like we can go over that, over that, over that. And that can become the way we know ourselves. So when we're looking at who we're talking about today, um, this is really significant. Let's think about what are the words people are speaking over her, and therefore what does she think about herself. If you want to follow along, turn to page 180 in the White Bibles that are kind of at your feet, but if not, I will read in my beautiful reading voice, so you don't have to. Um, so the context to the story is, um, we're looking at Rahab. So before that, we have the Jews, and they've come out of Egypt, and they're being led by this man named Moses. From there, they wander around in the desert for 40 years, um, but then there comes a point where someone else needs to be leader, someone else needs to take them to the next step. And this is a man called Joshua and he's leading people into the promised land. But something stands in their way. They need to take over this city called Jericho, which is where we come to our story with Rahab. So Joshua 2, verses 1 to 7. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the sea gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. In brackets. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gates were shut. So that's where we meet our protagonist, Rahab. Um, and at the time, I mean, we've already looked at some names people may call her, and I think that's kind of entrenched in who she thinks she is, but there's another thing. Her name, Rahab. So her name, when I looked it up, actually means broad, or it means wide or it means open. 
And so given her context, who she is, people would meet Rahab at the door of her inn and they would see this as an innuendo, she's open. So we come from that. She's being really told who she is. It's no secret. Um, these labels, I would say, are weighing her down. The second part of the story that's interesting to me is these spies. If this was a James Bond movie, <laughs> it would have wrapped up in like 10 seconds. Because they've had like literally one job. Go and make sure no one knows who you are, you're a spy. Yet they could not do this. The one guy that they shouldn't show who they are knows straight away that they're there. So these spies either have failed their mission and they're not very bright, or, or what I like to think, that this is a different sort of mission, a mission that they didn't really understand yet. So if we come to Joshua 2, 8 to 18. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven and above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. So she's kind of asking for this promise from them. And I mean, there's not a lot, like her passage is like chapter two, and then we get a little bit after. Um, and in contrast to bigger characters, you know, you can kind of go into the depth, but there's a bit of trying to understand what she's thinking. And coming back to my English um, thinking, I think there's a symbol here. The spies enter Rahab's house and they knock on the door. It reminds me of that verse when they're talking about Jesus coming up, knocking on the door of your heart. Because in that verse she says, we've heard about you, we're melting in fear because of you. So she's heard about Jesus. She's heard about God and his people, but she doesn't know him yet, right? It made me think about the first time I heard about God. And thankfully it wasn't necessarily like, ah, in fear. But I was at Woodport Public School and we had someone who knocked not literally, on the door of my heart and they started talking about Jesus to our year one class. And she was saying, like, he heals people, but most of all, he loves people. And it went from me hearing about God to maybe thinking, that's interesting. Ooh. Got it. Um, there's this verse, Psalm 34, 8. 
Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I think that relates because someone's knocking on the door of Rahab's heart, right? Saying, there's something more. You need to get a taste of God. And she has a decision now. Does she keep seeking or does she sit where she is? I don't know if you've noticed this, but like, worth in the world is different to what God's worth can look like. Um, I remember being like your girl's age, Ash and Acacia and Charlie, and just thinking that my worth, <laughs> sorry, my worth aligned with what people thought of me, what I looked like, um, who thought I was cool, who liked me. Um, I don't know if you girls like feel that now or, or not, but worth is something that the world tells you you don't have. <laughs> like you're, you, from day dot, you start with this lack. Like these are all the things you could be, but you're never going to be that. So just be all right with sitting over here. And I think Rahab's been told that her whole life. Like we get told that our whole life. Where is your worth? I don't see your worth. You don't have worth. So when someone comes up to Rahab in this failed mission and is saying, there's a God and there's something more for you, she tastes that and goes, hmm, maybe this is something. In that video, that girl, the last one, she said, I don't know who I am. I am my biggest insecurity. And I loved Rianne's talk at the start of this series because she's talking or she talked about the way we mirror God's worth. And in that song we sang before, it's, you know, you are good, you are good when there's nothing good in me. A bit, a bit of controversy. <laughs> but I actually think there's a lot of good already placed in us from day one. Because when we go from a mindset of, I don't have any worth, I'm not built with worth, to thinking about Genesis, God made you and you are good. There's something about you because you mirror God that shows that you have worth. It's built in you. It's in your essence. No one can take that away. And I think that's maybe what Rahab's starting to understand. Through hearing God, she's starting to taste and see and understand her own worth. But, there's always a but. <laughs> She's starting to see, but she doesn't yet know, right? I don't know if you've ever taken or had the privilege of taking a jam group around, um, but I have and I love it. You should do it, little plug there. Um, there's something that really stood out to me one time was we were doing this like lesson about kindness, and how to be kind to people, how to love people. And as and these kids, like, some of them know more than I do. So I'm, like, taking the Bible study lesson and I'm, like, I don't really know that. And they're, like, yeah, did you know that a hundred blah, 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 I'm, like, okay, I feel inferior now. And you're 12 years old, that's fine. Um, but the thing is, is they can, I find in kids and in us, too, we can speak it really well. But when it comes to the doing, 
the same kid that told me this amazing thing about kindness that I didn't know is like flicking his brother <laughs> on the ear and like disrupting the whole class. And I'm like, you can say it and you can repeat it really well, but you can't do it. And I think that reflects how we live, right? Someone can tell you, Ash, you have so much work. I think you are amazing. But where do we lose that? Like, in what stage do we go, that's not true of me, I'm not worthy, I'm not alright. And I think that's something Rahab's understanding. She's got a taste, but she has to now step out and acknowledge her worth and act on her worth. I loved Bianca's talk last week, because she talked into Tamar, and the fact that she had to act on her worth, right? She had to understand that she was good before she could get herself out of that situation. And I think that's true for us. Worth is a catalyst for change because it gives us agency. I don't have to put up with that person who doesn't think that I'm good, because I know I'm good, right? I don't have to be in the relationship with that guy because he says all this stuff about me, I know I'm good. I don't have to define myself by that. This is my favorite point. <laughs> I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, it's not you, it's me. She had to step out and go, actually, 
I am worth so much. I am abundant. I am full. I am the promised land. That's massive. But it wasn't her, right? It was them. It was them telling her who she was. Um, when I was first doing my sermon, Brock kind of gave me the tip of like, you've got to be honest and you've got to be vulnerable. Um, and so when I was writing this anecdote, I was like, oh, I don't really want to say that. So here we go. <laughs> but I remember maybe like three years ago, I was heading to this Hillsong conference and there was a guy and I really wanted him to like me. And like, it's very hard for me to say. Um, I really wanted him to like me and this just, he didn't like me. <laughs> um, I don't know why, I'm awesome. <laughs> Thank you family. <laughs> this is why we're family. Um, and so I was heading to this Hillsong conference and um, I was like, this guy doesn't like me. I'm so annoyed. What is wrong with me? You know, it straight away goes back to who are you? What is wrong with you? Not anyone else, right? Um, and so I was standing there in this Hillsong conference, and I mean, I've told this story before, but Josh was like, don't put your hands up because they'll try and convert you into Hillsong. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but I had my hands up. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. I had my hands up, and um, I was. I was just crying, like, I was sobbing in the middle of this Hillsong conference. Jumping his red flags, probably the Hillsong people straight up. Um, they're like, yes, <laughs> we got it. Um, so I, was, I was just a mess, like, I was crying. I was thinking, like, why do I have to prove myself to people over and over again? Like, why can't they just see who I am? And this girl behind me, she, she tells him the shot. <laughs> And I'm like, again, thanks, like, now I'm going to get converted. Um, she taps me on the shoulder, she's wearing like a Hillsong shirt, and she just goes, can I pray over you? And um, I just remember her prayer, and the one thing that stood out to me was she said, like, God values you. God sees your worth. You are worthy. And it just, like, wrecked me because it seems like maybe a small thing. But think about it. The God of the entire universe, who put the moon in the sky, and who made the water, and who makes the trees grow, and like makes these beautiful things in the sunset, and the sun, sunrise and the sunset, has made you and has called you worthy. Like who else can speak over you? They can't. When God says you are worthy, that's what you have to cling on to. And yeah, I was like, cool. That guy doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> No, really, it was a much longer journey than that. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, but again, coming back to Rahab, it wasn't Rahab who didn't have worth. It was the fact that the people around her didn't see it. So I want you to turn to your neighbour again and say, it's not me, it's you. worth is world changing. 
Come with me if you do have your Bible to Joshua 6, 22, 23. I think that's right. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out, and all who belong to her, in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. So the context of that is she's basically standing in her house and she's watching Israel walk around these walls of Jericho, basically Jericho Falls, the entire city. And she's left standing with her family alive. And to me, like her whole family comes out like slowly, like her mother then comes out, then her father then comes out, and then her brothers and sisters come out. And it said to me that when you find your worth in God, you free yourself, sure, but you don't just free yourself, right? You free others. You free your family. You free your friends because suddenly you're going, I see the worth in you. And by you accepting your worth, you're then a role model to other people. They're like, why does she, why does she think she's all that? <laughs> well, we don't like tall poppy syndrome, like, we have that, right? But once you find your worth and you're able to spread that to other people, think about how world-changing that is. Now all of a sudden, we're not operating in this thing of lack, in this thing that we're not good enough. Finally, we're actually becoming the people that Jesus and God want us to be saying, I don't actually care about what you think because I know who I am. It reminded me of like when we first started coming to church and back to that taste and see point. My sister was thinking like, oh, we, we were a Christian, our family, and we all came to this school and my sister went, there's something cool about God. There's something cool maybe about what he says about me. And it brought our whole family to church. So I want to leave you with this. We not only find out who we are in God and no longer have to be afraid, but we also show others how they can find their worth through God as well. This series is about unpacking who we are in God and I just want to finish with that he says you are worthy. Every part of you, he says you are worthy.